Hello. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to explain that we actually recorded this episode way back in October, shortly after the launch of Rise of Iron. So some of the the details are a little bit out of date. Uh, For example, I have completed the raid by now. You'll be pleased to hear. Um, I just wanted to clear that up. Um, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, we are the Ishtar Collective, a website dedicated to categorizing the law of destiny. You can find us online at www.ishtar-collective.net and on Twitter at IshtarCall. So let's get started. I'm Baxter, the founder of the Ishtar Collective. I'm Purple Chimera, the lead archivist at the Ishtar Collective. And uh, Normal Norman would normally be joining, joining us, but he is on vacation. He doesn't so, get to, they don't let sorry. you Skype on a plane. They frown on that. Well, I guess I guess you can these days. You get Wi-Fi on planes now. Yeah. Sometimes. But it might be have lots of background noise. Yeah, that's true. And he's traveling with his kids. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so today we are going to talk about the Lords of Iron. I expected you to make a comment or something about how. Like, why, why why is it called the Lords of Iron? Oh, why is it called the Lords of Iron? Sometimes it's yeah. called Lords of Iron, and sometimes it's called Iron Lords. Yeah, but it, it does, it was weird, because in year one, it seemed to, Lords of Iron and Iron Lords seemed to be used kind of interchangeably. So that was what I named the category. But um, over time, it feels as though Iron Lords is, is what's, become the standard um, so maybe we could change it but for now it's lots of iron which makes my sentence structures very interesting when I'm trying to put a link in to write yeah. lords of iron and weird sentences that's okay sorry that's okay <laughs> <laughs> okay so who were they that is an excellent question so I'm going to start by quoting you. Um, so Purple Chimera has been working on the uh, the summary on the Iron Lords category on the on the website, and this is the opening paragraph that, that that's on there at the moment. Before they were called Guardians, those blessed with the Traveler's Light banded together to try and give some protection to the last remains of humanity. Radagast became Radagast became frustrated that some of those who wielded the light were using it for their own gain at the cost of civilians and found like-minded people to ally with. They called themselves the Iron Lords. That's a pretty good good summary. Yeah, Yeah. if I do say so myself. (laughs) So, as usual with Destiny, we kind of have a, a question of timeline here. We don't know exactly when all this was happening, uh, according to Saladin, it was forever and a long time ago before, before. Um, but when you look into it, it kind of seems like 
No, this was like right around the time when the city was being built. So one of the first cards that we have that um, talks about the the period in which the Iron Lords existed is the card Iron Banner, which was um, released with um, House of Wolves. Is that right? Maybe it was earlier than that. No, I think it was House of Wolves. And and it says that um, the city remembers Felwinter, Jolder, Scar... Sorry, Yolder. <laughs> That's okay. I think the J's are confusing because sometimes they are just sound and sometimes they're just sound. And Bungie's not consistent. Like like Yellowhorn. Exactly. Or, is it Yellowhorn? Yellowhorn? Gallowhorn? I don't know. <sighs> Okay, and let's not even get started on Kaber. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> uh, um, so, the Iron Banner card says, The city remembers Felwinter and Yolder, Scurry and Timmer, Radagast and Galeon, and the others for their invincible patrols during Six Fronts and the wall building. So, we know that Six Fronts was the first significant battle to take place at the city. Right. And that seems to place them right around that time. Obviously, they would probably be around before if they were coming up when the wall was being built. Mm-hmm. So it could be that all these stories we have about them that came out with Rise of Iron happened immediately prior to the city. Mm, yeah. Um, and that and that's that's one thing. So that the, the city age card um, does say that the city did not rise without struggle. Warlords and wilderness fiefdoms clung to power, and a lot of the the lords, uh, the iron lords cards, talk about the struggles that that the iron lords had with with warlords and the the kingdoms that they had created, and in fact, you know. Um, uh, Felwinter was re- regarded as a, a fairly significant warlord because he held on to the, the mountain which he named Felwinter's Peak. Right, and you know, I was just thinking, if we place these these stories as happening right around the founding of the city, do you think that all of these um, guardians, which we are calling Iron Lords, uh, banded together and pooled their kind of their land and that's where they built the city like that they had that land uh, it's possible I mean it's really hard to say because um, the city was founded beneath where the traveler was resting where the traveler right. was kind of hanging dead in the sky um, yeah, we, we, I mean, we don't really know. It could be that um, that, that, that was a, a region that was held by one of the, the Iron Lords, or at least one of the Warlords that became one of the Iron Lords. We don't know. Um, but it's also possible that, that they were entirely separate. Uh, we, we hear a lot about the um, uh, the Pilgrim, is it the Pilgrim Guard? Yeah. Who guided the first um, civilians to the to the city. Well, yeah, and Felwinter Peak isn't necessarily anywhere near the Traveler. No, I mean it. It seems from the opening mission um, in, in the, the 
the the first the first opening mission to the to the to Vanilla Destiny. There's obviously quite a journey between the Cosmodrome and the Tower. Right. So it it seems likely that the tower isn't especially close, that the city isn't especially close to right. the Cosmodrome. And you can't see the Traveler from Fellwinter Peak. True, yeah. Mm. All right, that was kind of a sidetrack. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... So, um, how many Iron Lords were there? Do we know that? Hundreds, according to Saladin. Yeah. We sort of have the original nine, which are the ones which who yeah. are now immortalized in statue, minus Ephrodite and Saladin. Yeah. So it'll be ten, actually, won't it? Because I think it was... Is it one, two, three, four? Yeah, it's ten, because we didn't use the class Saladin as uh, an Iron Lord oh, for a right. long time. Oh, right. So it's... So there are nine statues plus Aphrodite and Saladin. No, eight statues. Eight statues. Yeah, the, the eight statues. Um, so Saladin and Aphrodite don't have statues. Right. So yeah, Aphrodite is a really interesting character because it seems as though that the impression that we get is that all of the Iron Lords were killed trying to to take control of Siva. Most of them were killed by Rasputin because he really didn't want... Well, we, we don't really know Rasputin's intentions, but it seems like he didn't want the Iron Lords to get hold of Siva. And some of the, the Iron Lords, the, 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 the nine Iron Lords... So, so that the, the ten named Iron Lords, excluding Aphrodite, made it to the Siva chamber. That's what we think. That's what Saladin says, yeah. He yeah. said that nine, well, he says nine Iron Lords made it into the center chamber. He's obviously discounting himself because he didn't get in there since he survived. Okay, but that would mean that, F, well, that would mean... Hmm. Maybe he is counting himself. Yeah, maybe he is. So that's the thing. We don't know if Ephrodite somehow escaped at the last minute. Maybe, maybe she never went to the Cosmodrome to fight... Rasputin and Siva. Maybe um, she was at the battle, but she left before it kind of went really badly. We, yeah. we, we have no idea, really. I don't know. I got the impression that she left before. Hmm. Like, that she wasn't really part of the Siva fight. Okay. Because in the in that little very short thirty some odd second cinematic we get when we got when Iron Banner came back, mm-hmm. it seemed like Saladin bi- didn't build her a statue. He obviously was hoping she was alive, mm. so he knew she wasn't down there with them. Yeah, you know, because obviously he he knew who went inside and see- when Yolder sealed the chamber. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so so yeah, it, it, maybe maybe Aphrodite for some reason left much earlier. Um, when she comes back, she, you know, it it's uh, I can't remember where it says this now, but it says she, um, 
maybe it's in one of the the quests or some of the flavor text when you when you are talking with Aphrodite. But it says that she found a colony of peaceful guardians deep in the solar system. Yes, it says in her card, the Lady Aphrodite card. It says the Vanguard are also intrigued by Aphrodite's accounts of a non-military guardian community in the deep system. But Aphrodite, though happy to talk about the group's pacifist philosophies, refuses to disclose the settlement's location at present. Yeah, which is really interesting. I find this especially interesting because it says in one of in the Lady Yolder card, which is obviously takes place before, mm-hmm. that. Aphrodite fights much better when she's angry. Yeah. Um, and then she's talking about this pacifist group that she likes yeah. or was living with or whatever. Yeah, that's true. And in fact, I think in the in the Yolder card or Jolder card, she recommends that Aphrodite be her second. Yeah, that's the card that I, the Yeah. Um I think it was Perun who um suggested yeah, she put forth that Saladin and Aphrodite both volunteered to be her second. And at first, Yolder picks Saladin, and then Perun says, "Well, if we need a second, it's because you're dead." She's like, "Right, Aphrodite would she fights better when she's angry." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's obviously had a change of heart for some reason, and maybe that occurred. Maybe that was what led her to leave in the first place. But I mean, we're just we're just speculating there, really. Yeah, definitely. So who are the other Iron Lords? Well, we have Lord Felwinter, who is very interesting for several reasons. Mm -hmm. The first of which, he was a pretty powerful warlord before he joined the Iron Lords. Mm -hmm. Um, He owned Felwinter Peak. And he is an Exo, which I find very interesting because he does not have a number. Yeah, that's true. And I, I also kind of... That leads me to wonder if the other the other Iron Lords, did they pick their names? I think it's actually implied somewhere that they did pick their names. Yes, in the Lady Scory card, she is bemoaning the fact that none of their names fit in iambic pentameter and she's trying to write this <laughs> Iron Song, mm-hmm. which is a very strong problem to have. Mm-hmm. Um and why why couldn't you guys pick names that fit into this song that she's trying to write? So I guess we do get to pick our own names. Yeah. So yeah, he probably did have a number designation at some point, but either he doesn't remember it, as you know that seems fairly common with with exos and guardians in general, really, or he's chosen to to name himself um, something different. Or he's the original incarnation of himself. I mean, because we know mm. exos are raised from the dead. I mean, um, guardians are raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. So, presumably, if you're an exo, like, my Titan character is an exo. Mm-hmm. So, when I started the game, presumably I would be, you know, whatever I named my, my exo. You don't really get to name yourself. But, you know, like, I would be just <laughs> myself. This gets into the, like, are the original ones just plain, or are they dash one or dash zero? It's a good question. I'm just wondering. 
because Lakshmi is considered the oldest. Uh, well, maybe, maybe not the oldest. Is that right? Well, she has the she's the most reliable narrator as far as exos go because she's only been wiped once or maybe twice, depending yeah. on how the numbering system starts. Yeah, one indexed or zero indexed. Right. So. Yeah, that's interesting. And actually, I remember discussing with you a while ago, there's another EXO that we found who has no number designation. Can you remember that? That's just just entered my head there. I do vaguely remember talking about that, but I have no idea who it was. I think we might have tweeted it on a Mystery Monday. Yeah. Okay. I'll look that up. I'll find that out. But, um, Save it take too for long the, right EXO, now, yeah. the EXO episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, so Felwinter, he was a warlord. He was a pretty good warlord from the sounds of things. He's an exo. Another interesting thing about it, about um, Felwinter, is that he probably killed a ghost. Yeah. So the Felwinter card implies extraordinarily heavily that he kills both Saitan and his ghost. Which brings up all kinds of questions about how he found out that you could kill a ghost. Because Saladin seems to imply that they didn't know that guardians could die at that time. So if Felwinter knew that, that that seems like information that would be useful to other guardians. Yeah, it is interesting because I, I know Saladin does say that. But in the Yolder card... There is a line, uh, Perun ran a hand through her close-cropped hair. Don't know yet. Seems too easy. I were Yance, I'd be thinking about poison. Neurojammers. Man like him with nothing to lose might even target your ghost. Which implies to me that Perun at least knew that Rience knew that if you wanted to stop a guardian from resurrecting you would destroy the ghost. Yeah, it could be. Now, it could also be that we don't, they don't know for certain that that's what would cause it. Right? If Think about it this way. Say, pretend that you don't know that guardians can be killed. Mm-hmm. But this Rians, he seems pretty desperate to try anything. Mm-hmm. So... We know that when a guardian dies, their ghost resurrects them. That's very clear. They all know that. They shield each other so that they can res each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, presumably, if you think, okay, I want to kill this guardian, well, I have to stop their ghost from resing them, right? It's not hard to kill a guardian, theoretically. If you know how to kill one, you just have to mm-hmm. stop it from getting resed, and then it won't come back. So, ghosts... <laughs> res guardians if I can stop the ghost do you see what I'm yeah. saying it's no not... I do see what you're saying but I, I just feel as though you know it seems weird that Saladin would say that because the the, the fact that Felwinter appears to kill a ghost and the fact that Perun talks about Rienz attempting to kill the ghost while that might not necessarily mean that she knows that Rienz knows that um that is going to stop a guardian from being resurrected. It seems fairly logical 
you know, I, I know, as I said, in as I, as I was kind of saying to you the other day, if it were me, that would be the first thing that I would try. If I was fighting a guardian, especially, you know, if, if I thought that I was on the side of right and they were on the side of wrong and um, they were, you know, killing civilians or whatever, then I would probably target the ghost as well. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I would too. Um, it just, it seems like a really odd thing for Saladin to say in yeah. light of, of this whole conversation, unless it was relevant. Maybe they just all knew, but they kept it a secret from Saladin. Hmm, the plot thickens. <laughs> all right, moving on from Felwinter. Um, Lord Gellion. Yeah, so I, I guess we don't really know a huge amount about um, Galleon, or Galleon, don't know how to pronounce his name, but he seems like a fairly depressing <laughs> character. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Eeyore from Winnie <laughs> the Pooh. Yeah, I can see that. You know, it's um, just like, uh, it's going to happen, just be realistic. Yeah. Yeah. He's obviously he has, a hunter. Yes. He he has named his three knives. Yeah, he names them Swiftling, Occam, and Quietus. Which made me laugh. So what's the meaning behind those? Well, Swiftling, I don't know. Occam makes me think of Occam's razor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quietus sounds like a be quiet spell from Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which made me laugh, because if you kill something, then it's quiet. So I think, um, quietus, I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced, actually, quietus, maybe? I'm not sure. Is, um, it's something, like, it's it's an ending, I think. It means something like, let, let me just... Let's Google let it. Let me just look that up. Quietus. Apparently, it's a British online music and pop culture magazine. I have never heard of it. Well, it's so, called thequietus.com. Wow, okay. Um, well, I'll have to check it out. <laughs> Especially if it's British. Okay, according to dictionary.com, quietus is a finishing stroke. Anything that effectually ends or settles. That's an appropriate def- name for a, a knife, then. Interesting. So I just used the, the text-to-speech on my computer, and it said it was quietus, which I don't oh, think yes. is correct, to be honest. But it's, it's this... You know um, the word quiescence? Yes. It's So obviously it's got the same um, root. Medieval Latin, according to dictionary.com. Man... Those bungee guys, they know how to word. I know. Yeah. So anyway, to to get back to the point, Gillian's knives have cool names. Yes. He's um, kind of a goth, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. He has hamkara bones and uh, other things lying around his chamber. So, yeah. Okay, so Lady Yolder is apparently really good at knee punches, according to Bellwinter. Yeah. 
And she's also, from the sounds of things, pretty big. I try to find I try to find some better words to describe her, but I, I don't know. You know, I'm guessing she's just quite tall. Yeah, I think so. And I think, well, from we know from the cards and that Saladin liked her a whole lot, and seems from the cutscenes as well that she really cared about him to. Yeah. You know, to try to save, let him live mm-hmm. when everyone else was going to die. Are we sure that that is Yolda in the, the cutscene? Well, I think so. Because after that scene, like, the shot where she, you know, she presses the button and the doors close and then he's all like, no! Yeah. Um, it immediately cuts to a statue and then it zooms out and he's looking at the statue and that's Yolder's statue. Hmm, interesting. Okay. So I mean, I I did pre- I, I presumed that it was Yolder, but it just occurred to me that I wasn't I, I wasn't sure what it is that made me think that. Plus in the in the earlier in that cutscene when she's fighting, um, mm-hmm. she has a machine gun that looks an awful lot like a like Yolder's hammer. Ah. That's cool. Okay, so um, yeah, Yolda's pretty much she's quite a badass. It's it's it appears to be who the Iron Lords tend to pick as their champion. Yeah, and we didn't really talk about this at the beginning, but even though they didn't call themselves Guardians, and according to Saladin, this was before there were any Guardians, um, <laughs> but they obviously use the same classes that we do. Yeah, because. In one of the cards, they call, um, in per- Lady Perun's card, it says that Perun had two titans with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and they turned out to be Saladin and Radagast. So, if we're going to be able to put the our current subclass labels, I would say Yolder would definitely be a striker titan. Mm-hmm. With her knee yeah. punches. And striker titans, yeah. probably the 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 right choice in a mm-hmm. in a duel. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting as well because I, I know I, I I know we've had this discussion before, but but not it hasn't been recorded. You know, like when we when we talk about the risen, it appears as though in the early days of of guardians, the the lines between classes weren't very strictly defined at least that's the impression that 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 I've, I've gotten from a from a few bits and pieces within the law but that doesn't seem to be the case with the iron lords with the iron lords that there do seem to be some fairly clear um lines between which class each uh, each individual is right i think it's probably just the nature of developing like your mm-hmm. learning what you can do, the Risen, or obviously the very, very first Guardians. Mm-hmm. So they're like, this is totally new to everyone. We have these superpowers. Yeah. What do they do? I have no idea. Let's find out. Right? <laughs> and by yeah. the time there are Warlords and Iron Lords, everyone's kind of like, okay, there are all these different you know, mm-hmm. classes and subclasses. So next on our list is um, Lady Perun. Who um, 
I mean, she features in each of the cards, well, a lot of the cards. Um, she's definitely an important member of the Iron Lords, but we couldn't really find a lot to write about her. Yeah, she's interesting because she seems, when you're reading the stories, she's kind of like this ever-present character that just pushes the narration forward. You know, she's the one who's always asking questions, um, providing information. Yeah. She's not... And and in fact, what's interesting is she's she's kind of similar to to Saladin in some ways because if it hadn't been for the fact that Saladin was the the lone survivor of the the original Siva incident, then there there really probably wouldn't be a huge amount to say about Saladin either. That's very true. In in these stories, he doesn't feature very heavenly. He's just kind of there. Yeah. As an extra person. You know, so you have three guardians instead of two. Yeah. So, um, let's move on to Lord Radagast. Radagast. He was the leader, or at least the founder, I guess. Mm-hmm. On his, his card is the, where we get to have a peek into the reason behind the formation of the Iron Lords. Mm-hmm. Is, he's so outraged by the these warlords taking advantage of, of civilians that mm-hmm. he wants to band everyone together um, who believes in the same thing that he does of, of protecting humanity and you know fight these warlords and, and protect humanity and probably... And this is totally speculation, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if we found out that it was his idea to build the city as a kind of fortification to protect mm-hmm. humanity or what was left of it. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, it's a really good card, and it's. Um, I'm just, I'm just reading it again. <laughs> well, and he makes the reference that humanity must have protectors, like the knights of old, which I know makes a lot of people think about um, King Arthur. Yeah. So people have been drawing parallels between Radagast and King Arthur. There, yeah, there are definitely definitely um, parallels there. Yeah, I think he's a really he's a really interesting character. Again, he doesn't really in a lot of the stories he's not necessarily the the protagonist. You know, he's not he's not he's not pushing the story forward, but he seems he's the one who's brought these people together and is trying to change the world and bring about some order. Yeah, and on the the Radagast card as well, speaking of who, you know, who are these other Iron Lords, how many were, were there, Radagast says, who among the other bearers do you trust? Who can be counted to ride with us? And two of the suggestions are Bredemart and Deidris, which are names that are on other Iron Banner gear. Yeah, and in fact, you know, there's actually, I think, when um, when House of Wolves um, was released, we we had another nine names, including Bretamart and Deidris, which we discussed. We we did have a discussion about should we add those to the the Iron Lords summary, and it's a tough question. I think part of me thinks that we should because, you know, 
Bretomart and Deidris are definitely Iron Lords. But I do have some doubts because, you know, for one thing, when the artifact uh, Sigoth's head was released, a lot of people, myself included, thought that this was another Iron Lord. But in fact, Sigoth was a Warlord. I don't. Ex- I, I. I do. I do expect that all of the the weapons are named after Iron Lords. But equally, you know, I feel like we have to draw a line somewhere. And the the ten that we have are the two surviving Iron Lords, and the eight that have statues and grimoire cards dedicated to them. So I. I kind of think that's a reasonable group. Yeah, I agree. And if in the future, you know. If what if a couple expansions down the line we get an expansion that talks about Bretomart and Deidre's and the rest of them? I would certainly mm-hmm. add them to the category. Yeah. Cool. So Radagast is a cool guy. Yes. So next up in alphabetical order is Saladin, which again we we've kind of touched on him briefly. Doesn't really feature all that heavily in this story aside from the fact that he's the survivor yeah he's he's in a lot of the he's in a lot of the stories like like Perun but he's not necessarily you know like like um, Radagast isn't always the protagonist in the story but he's the leader and people seem to rally around him Saladin is a, mo- a lot more like Perun in that he isn't the protagonist either but he's also not the leader He's uh, he's one of the maybe not the rank and file. He's definitely highly regarded among the Iron Lords, but he doesn't really seem to have as much of a story about him. Right. Yeah. The the most significant thing about him is that he's the one who lives. Yeah. The Lord who lives. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're an Iron Lord, Saladin. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, yeah. <sighs> that was funnier than it should have been. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Slamire. So, yeah. Who I often misread is similar. I do too. Uh, it's a very confusing name. Um, Apparently, pretty wrathful. <laughs> yes. He also was building something over and over and over and over and over. Yeah, I really like that. Um, was that was that in his card? Yes. I really like that card. I do too. Uh, his pile of stones. Yeah. I feel like it's a good. You know that the the Iron Lords really, they must have felt at least when they started that they had a fairly impossible task. All of the the guardians, or or whether they were guardians, not all of the risen, all of the warlords were kind of divided. They had their own areas of land. Maybe a few of them had clubbed together, but but not, you know, there wasn't this... When we begin as Guardians, we are thrust into this existing system. It's almost presumed, well, it is presumed that you are just going to take part, you, you, you are part of the Vanguard. But at this point in time, none of that infrastructure existed. And you know, without all of that, it must have seemed like such an impossible task to go from this post-collapse chaotic world with uh, with warlords. It's almost like a Mad Max-esque 
type world. Right. Uh, and he just yeah. wants to build his building until it can't get knocked down. Yeah, it just keeps going. You know, he he has he has this determination, and it's really admirable. It kind of makes me wonder, you know, if again total speculation, but if Radagast like had the idea to build the city, or whoever had the idea to create the city, was mm. inspired by him that he's going to build this structure. One day mm-hmm. the structure is not going to fall down, and then it will be in def- it will be a perfect structure. Yeah. To pr- to protect people by I'm like oh well let's build let's build one. I actually think I mean I I agree it's possible. I also think though that it that it might be possible that really the the tower as he says um so in the card it says Lord Saladin shook his head only a fool would raise the same structure again and again. These stones are like us Lord Silima said don't you see. And I think what I find interesting about that is the the building that he's building feels to me more like an analogy for the vanguard than it does for the, the city or the tower, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Anyway. Hmm. Selmar with his stones. Yeah. And so we come to Lady Scory. She's my favorite. <laughs> so, Scory is the bard. She spends a lot of time writing songs, but she's obviously still a pretty good fighter because in her card, an Iron Lord, a new one, apparently, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like they're rolling their eyes at her, you know, saying like, what are you doing sitting over there? writing a song we're gonna we're supposed to be fighting and and she immediately recites the entire plan yeah and he so, kind of gets upset <laughs> yeah she seems like quite a an intelligent individual she's obviously you know she's memorized the whole thing she knows exactly how the how the the battle is going to go and she she has the the kind of the ability to also you know it seems to other people like she's wasting her time writing songs but actually she's already she's already finished all the the things that she needed to do she's already got the whole plan sorted out in her head yeah she's pretty she's pretty cool she's like a i'm gonna uh, uh, i don't know yeah. yeah she's she's just great yeah I, li- I like her a lot. And there's another interesting thing about her card, which is in that Bungie changed it. That's right. So, one of the things that we noticed when we were going through the um, the, the research for, for the, the this episode, originally, the young man who was mad at Scurry for seemingly wasting her time said, A lot of Guardians are relying on us, Scurry. If you don't think you're up for... And then he was interrupted. But Bungie changed that line so that it now says a lot of people are relying on us rather than a lot of guardians. So it's an interesting change to make. You know, we often see changes that they make between versions where they fix some typo or they remove um, some formatting or something like that. Uh, but it's unusual for them to change around words like that. 
and it's especially unusual for them to change the word guardians to the word people. It definitely makes it have a different meaning and different weight because if you know guardians and if we're into guardians you know we band together we die we res we keep fighting whatever mm-hmm. but when you change it to people that's like oh this isn't just guardians this is humanity there are civilians involved yeah and it makes me think a lot of the lady perun card which mm-hmm. talks about um, perun and radagast and saladin defending a town from Sagoth mm-hmm. and that that they're protecting these people and that's now what you know this um this plan that that Scory talks about must be also there to be protecting people as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a I think it's an improvement. The change that they made from guardians to people I think it, it increases the significance of a lot of the time, you know, if you if you're carrying out a mission, I I think there's a, there's a couple of occasions. It's in my head anyway. You know, I I can think there's a couple of occasions where they say, you know, there's a lot of guardians relying on you or something like that, which is you know important. But the reason that that we as guardians go out into the into the the depths of space to try and fight the darkness. At the end of the day, it's to protect the people of the city. It's in the hope of expanding, you know, human civilization back out into the stars. It's not for, you know, guardians are important, but but the reason that we do these things is for the people that aren't guardians. Right, that can't go out and fight for themselves. Yeah. It's also possible that they change the card, and and I'm I'm not saying this is the reason, but it's possible that they change the card... Because the term guardians hadn't been established at that time yet. Right. Yeah. Saladin talks a lot about it being before there were guard before we were called guardians. So yeah. having the word guardian there kind of throws that out. Yeah. But they could have changed it to lords if they wanted to keep that That's same feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So last one. Okay. Yeah. Lord. Timmer. Or Tim Timmer? I say Timmer. But Lord that's probably Timer. wrong. Because I also yeah. say Yallerhorn. And apparently that, Well <laughs> I, uh, who knows? Who knows? According to Deej that's wrong. <laughs> but I refuse it to say it the other way because it sounds stupid. So what do we know about Lord Timmer? He has a lash. He does. But what what is I mean, what is the what is his lash? Well, it's I mean it's his gun. <laughs> I yeah, like to think it's yeah. a whip and that he's a cowboy, but it's probably I, just a gun. I kind of thought Indiana Jones. Yeah, could be. Could be Indiana yeah. Jones. We know he's a warlock. He has a storm trance. Yeah, it's interesting. I can't remember the um, the build-up to the storm trance quest in The Taken King. I, I um, can't either, but I don't hmm. remember him being mentioned. No, me neither. I think, you know, it's interesting, you know, um, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but the way that the the new subclasses in the Taken King were introduced, they all had some kind of significance, you know. I I would be interested to know if any of the Iron Lords were Sunbreakers or Nightstalkers. Yeah. 
I, I don't think there's any evidence that suggests that they are. I also, the Sunbreakers were kind of like a forbidden thing that were yeah. like bringing back to the tower. Mm-hmm. But the storm transmission didn't really give me that feeling. So no, maybe they just were like not hanging around. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The same with the Night Stalker mission as well. You know, um, Tevis Lawson is the, the Night Stalker who you go out to try and meet up with who ends up having been killed because he was separated from his ghost. And in that mission, I'm fairly certain that, that the... The, you know, they the, the kind of say that the Night Stalkers are kind of like the scouts. They kind of live on the fringes of, of hunter society, but they're not outcasts or anything. They're not a separate society like the the Sunbreakers. Right. Well, and the and the hunters in general are kind of on the outskirts of yeah of the tower anyway, just by their nature. Yeah. And so exactly, yeah. the 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 Night Stalkers are like on the outskirts of that. Yeah. Cool. So that is all of the Iron Lords. Well, it's not all of the Iron Lords. As, as you said before, there are hundreds of Iron Lords, but those are the ten Iron Lords, the eight that have statues, and the, the two that survived the Siva crisis. Yeah, so we're basically down to two Iron Lords. Although, my big question is, I, I totally buy Ephrodite being alive. She left at some point earlier. And apparently mm-hmm. found a hidden group of, of peace-loving guardians out in the mm-hmm. outer solar system. How did she know to come back when Iron Banner was coming back around? Yeah. Does she have a, a calendar? Is it like a Google <laughs> Calendar sync with the tower? Like, maybe she saw a post on Reddit. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I feel like I went a little bit too meta there. <laughs> don't, I, I don't know. Want... I was talking about Google, so... Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so you really, it's your fault. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's but, okay. And so now she's just going to leave like Saladin used to? Like, Saladin's going to hang out all the time now, and Ephrodite's only going to come once a month? Yeah, seems like it. So does she go back to the outer solar system? Well, where did Saladin go? Well, apparently he went on patrol. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like he did. Um... So maybe, well, Saladin's not going out on patrol anymore. So right, maybe Ephrodite is, well, although she's we, a pacifist. Right. Mm. But we, but also Saladin was going on patrol to watch for Siva. Mm-hmm. Siva came back, and then we killed Siva. So well, there's some some of us have killed Siva. That's true. I haven't finished the raid yet, so. So presumably, you don't. We don't need that patrol anymore. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. But the maybe Vanguard... Maybe what? I was going to say, maybe there's some other patrol that... I don't know, I mean, it's interesting, you know, if Ephrodite is a pacifist, she probably isn't going to go out on patrol ever again. Right, but if she's a pacifist, then why is she hosting Iron Banner? Hmm... It's kind of, it's an interesting contradiction, really, in a way. I mean, given everything we know about the light and the dark, it seems like pacifism might actually be the the kind of the right way to embody the 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 light, the right the right way to represent the light. But because of the nature of the darkness, 
pacifism doesn't seem like a particularly effective strategy. Yeah, because the darkness is going to come and kill you. Yeah. So you should probably kill it back first. Yeah, probably. That's what Wei Ning would do. It's true. Mm. We should yeah. always do what Wei Ning would do. <laughs> I want a thing, what would Wei Ning do? And hang it yeah, from my rearview mirror. We need that. Maybe you shouldn't be doing what Wei Ning would do while you're driving. That's probably true. You can get arrested for that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Iron Banner, we assumed that Saladin started the Iron Banner to train the Guardians to fight Siva, apparently. Mm. It originally just said to further fight the darkness, but obviously he was trying to help us get ready to fight Siva. Mm -hmm. But Ephrodite makes a reference to being like when she was in the banner, which kind of makes it seem like the Iron Banner existed before that. Yeah, that's a really good point because... The, the timeline around the the crucible is something that that's quite confusing on its own, and you know my impression had always been that after Twilight Gap, Shax had either founded or taken over, like basically reorganized the the crucible, and that Saladin hadn't been especially happy with the way that Shax had approached that, and so he had created uh, a more intense version of the Crucible called Iron Banner. That was kind of in my head after after year one. That was how the events were ordered in my head. But it seems as though the SIVA events, the, the original SIVA, um, the, the original attempt by the Iron Lords to take SIVA for themselves took place before Twilight Gap. After six fronts, but before Twilight Gap. So if the if the Iron Banner had existed at that point, then yeah, I mean I, I don't really I, I guess the Iron Banner. It's possible that the Crucible. You know, we've, we it, it, it's it's definitely a possibility that the Crucible had, has existed for a very long time, and that it was originally less organized, um, maybe not Vanguard sponsored, maybe it was just the factions of the city. Um, pitting guardians against each other and the Iron Banner maybe formed out of that I don't know yeah I don't know it's that one, It's one line in the an, uh, quest description there's a quote from Aphrodite mm-hmm. and it's you know five words after I left the banner and it causes so many problems yeah I mean, another possibility, which I think you brought up, is that um, maybe when she says that, what she actually means is that she was... when she left the Iron Lords. Right, like when she went to the outer solar system. Yeah. But it would be be strange, because anywhere else in the law where, where the term Iron Banner is used, they talk about the Crucible event... Yeah, it would be weird. Unless mm. they were 
the same way that we are using Iron Banner to train, you know, we fight each other to train to fight the darkness. Maybe the Iron Lords also were fighting each other to train to fight the Warlords. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, that's a very effective way to train to fight Warlords, since they're also Guardians, sort of. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm going to believe that for the time being. (laughs) For now, uh, until proven yeah. otherwise. Yeah, we don't. We, I mean, we don't have enough evidence to 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 put any of this in a in a description or anything. Um, it's, it's yeah, just another one of those mysteries. Add it to the list of mystery Monday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, what else? What have we missed? Well, we t- we talked about Iron Banner being part of of Crucible. And um, in the, oh, I can't remember if it's the Iron Banner card or the Crucible card. Um, I think it's the Crucible card that, no, it's the Iron Banner card that talks about, you know, how Shax and Saladin and Zavala, um, someone every once in a while tries to get them all in a room together and they refuse because they're really stubborn. Yep. (laughs) And there's kind of this idea of like well they kind of all fell apart after Twilight Gap which Shax is the hero of for for putting a charge in and you know and and winning that battle whereas Saladin thought they should have been more reserved and it makes me wonder aside from the fact that sometimes going on the offensive is not the right choice Mm -hmm. It's also really risky to yourself, you know, to to go onto an offensive position if you don't have to. And I wonder if the reason why Saladin was so mad about it is because of the Siva events. Like, if he really cared about Shaxx so much and he loved Shaxx so much that he would be really upset if Shaxx went and risked his life for a permanent death. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and definitely. And it, it gives more weight to that. Because, like, I mean, when I first heard about that and read that and learned about the Saladin and Shaq's relationship and how it broke down, I was kind of like, okay, I know guys can be kind of stubborn, but this is a little bit ridiculous. You know, mm. like, to be fighting yeah. for how long has it been since Twilight Gap and they're still, like, not talking to each other? Like, come on, man, you live in the same building. Yeah. I mean, the, tr- the the truth is, we don't really know how long it has been since Twilight Gap. Right, but it but it seems like it's been at least a while. Like, you know, if at they were really yeah, if they were really that close as they as it was implied that like Shax was being groomed to be the next, you know, Vanguard, um, Titan Vanguard, and that they were like this was like his son or his little brother or whatever. Like they were that close. Like, really. You're gonna be, you're gonna not talk to each other forever, but then it comes out this story about Siva, and mm-hmm. how Yolder and and specifically Yolder, but but on all the rest of them, sacrificed themselves to save humanity and left Saladin alone. And when you look mm-hmm. at it through that light, like, yeah, that's really intense. And he probably was really hurt again by letting someone get so close to him and then having. Shax risk his life in this offensive that turned out well in the end, but that 
if I was Saladin, I probably wouldn't let anyone come close to me again emotionally. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. A little bit of um, psychoanalysis uh, along with our law. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. On that note. (laughs) (laughs) You got me thinking anyway. Did did you have... I didn't know where you were going with that. that, No, that's all I've got. I mean, it's just Ah, a really interesting thing to think about because we don't know. I mean, on the one hand, we know why. Like, we know Saladin isn't talking to Shax because Saladin thought Shax made the wrong choice. And mm-hmm. even though it worked out okay, he was kind of pissed off about it because he still thinks Shax made the wrong choice. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's interesting because, you know, we are told that everybody loves a bad idea when it works. But in this case, Saladin really didn't. Yeah. It's something I really wish... See, this is the kind of stuff that I love so much. Learning... A, this is what I I love so much about history in real life. Learning about who these people are. These these are the kinds of shades that yeah. of of human that makes you a person. Yeah, right. That definitely. gives you a personality and a soul, and makes it interesting. I, c- I kind of love that they don't get along, or at least that they that they fell out. Yeah, it definitely makes the story more interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know the. the the story is very grand and epic, and it's the it's the relationship between Shax and Zavala, and the relationship. I'm sorry, it's the relationship between Shax and Saladin, and it's the relationship between Cade and Zavala and Decora and Eris. You know, like it's these interactions that really um, I mean that was the that was the thing that was so good about the Taken King is that the relationship between Cade and Eris was it's a it's a really tough (laughs) really tough relationship Cade is so lighthearted too lighthearted at times Eris is so serious it's it's what makes the the story that much more personable well you can Uh, write the best plot in the whole world but if you don't have compelling characters to play it out no one's going to enjoy it yeah you have to get invested in the characters yeah good job Bungie you write good characters (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah they do they really do so guess we should finish off now yeah we? i i don't have anything else let me look, just read through the the description on the category okay um you already read part of it yeah um that's everything that's everything for now uh thank you so much for listening you can read the summary at ishtar-collective.net Search for Iron Lords, and uh, it should be top of the results. You can find us on Twitter at Ishtar Call, and we, uh, we we tweet a little bit of law every day. I've been Baxter. I've been Purple Chimera. See you next time. Bye.